for the Agile community. www.agile.fm Yeah, today I'm here with a very special person, a co-host, a co-host of a, uh, an Agile podcast, the Agile for Humans, Ryan Ripley, and we decided to... Uh, co-deliver a podcast together uh, today and uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about podcasts but uh, first of all I want to get your voice in here early in the podcast. Ryan, welcome. Hey, thank you Joe. It's, uh, it's an honor to be on Agile FM. It's uh, one of the first podcasts I started listening to when I got interested and uh, just super excited to be able to uh, first have met you. It was great meeting you in Boston earlier this year and uh, to now be doing a, a podcast with you, truly an honor. Awesome, right? And the same here, Agile for Humans. Uh, we, I want to talk a little bit about this in a second with you, but um, by the title and so on, right? Um, it's, it's, yeah. intri it's intriguing. Um, we met, and it was a coincidence, at a uh, Scrum.org event. And uh, for actually, there was a three-day event, and I believe for the first day, we didn't even know that we were both the podcasters. <laughs> yeah, it was funny. <laughs> we started talking, and then I, I heard your voice, and I was like, wait a minute, I know this voice. I have spent a lot of time with this voice, and then finally it, it hit me. It's like, oh no, this is Joe Krebs. This is Agile FM, and uh, started talking. And but yeah, it was funny. I knew the voice well before I actually knew who you were. Right. So. Let, me t let me take a wild guess. The accent gave it away. Oh, uh, what accent, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> no, it was. Uh, uh, yeah, I, I knew I knew that voice from somewhere, and it was just it was a crazy coincidence that we landed in a. In, in a train-the-trainer event at scrum.org. But uh, yeah, that was a fun three days. It was uh, good getting to know a lot of the people. And uh, of course, it's great to meet a fellow podcaster. There's not too many of us who actually understand what goes into uh, trying to make these shows. So it's nice to have another person to kind of talk to and, and just say, hey, this is what I've run into. What do you think? So correct. yeah, it, it was really great. Yeah, it's correct, right? So, and also, um, maybe like the opportunities out there with podcasting and, and uh I want to hear what your motivations are, obviously. But first of all, Agile for Humans, uh, what are you saying? My, my podcast is not for humans? No, I think Agile FM is very human-centric. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of stuff out there in our community right now that's at that uh, process and tool level, and that's where they stay. And it was, uh, it was actually an observation that Don Gray made. So initially, Agile for Humans didn't exist. It was just a Skype call that... You know, Don Gray, mm -hmm. you know, Esther Derby, Aaron Copel, you know, some really high level people, some really good friends of mine. We would just get on a call and it was almost like coaches therapy. Mm -hmm. And so uh, one day Don said, hey, let's record this. And so I was like, all right, let's record it. And then we had to name it because if you, you record something, you got to name it before you post it. Right. And finally, uh, I think Don threw out the name Agile for Humans. Hey, it's all about humans. Let's just call it Agile for Humans. And I was... <laughs> All right, that was my horrible Don Gray impersonation, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, it, 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 the name stuck, uh, and then people really liked it. They kind of had that same reaction you did of, well, what's behind that? What's that about? And then you say, well, it's for people. You know, Agile is about the humans, the individuals, and interactions. That's right. And people are like, oh, that that kind of makes some sense, and it stuck. And uh, you know, we put it out on the internet, and you know, that first episode. You know, and honestly, I have great friends. And they all tweeted it out, and I think they were like, hey, you really need to listen to this. They were really pushing it. We had a couple hundred listens that first week, and it just took off from there. I mean, it's really, um, 
just one of those, it was really just a, a therapy session for coaches or, or just a place, you know, we talk about cool ideas and, you know, it was just a place to meet up and, hey, I've had this thought or this experiment, what do you think? And it's just turned into something so, as, as so much different, as you well know from Agile FM, just the... How yeah. it just twists and turns. Oh, absolutely. It's, it's the whole inspect and adapt. And I can tell already that in terms of metrics and everything, you're far, far ahead of me um, in terms of listenerships, right? There are some metrics out there, but uh, to be totally honest, I, I do this um, as long as I have one listener uh, out there, right? And if I have none listener, I would probably bury the idea, but there are hundreds, I don't know, maybe more uh, listening to the to the episode. So that's... Uh, that's really cool. So how how this all started for you? I mean, for me, it was the uh, actually Agile FM was called before Agile FM. It was uh, Agile New York City podcast, yeah. and yep. uh, and mine started a little bit different because mine started as a uh, uh, basically introducing speakers at local events. So I wanted to bring per podcast basically, or it was a smaller view, uh, the listeners uh, shipped out there, the, uh, bringing the, the speakers on the events or at a conference in New York City, which we organized here in New York, uh, closer and said, like, hey, interesting person here, why don't you join the actual event in person? So the podcast was always ahead of the speaker coming to town. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I got emails and uh, interest from people. They said, oh, well, this is also interesting for us and it doesn't have to be uh, a user group event announcement or it doesn't have to be a person that comes to a conference. It could be potentially anybody. And that's where the format changed to what's now Agile FM. You know, it's interesting you bring up New York. I had the, the opportunity to come out uh, earlier this year for Big Apple Scrum Day mm-hmm. and uh, check out your community and uh, check out, you know, I had a great time playing chess in uh, Washington Square Park and being out in New York is just a lot of fun anyways, but getting to see some of the community stuff now, that's not, that wasn't the group you founded. You founded Agile NYC, correct? That's correct, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's been since like, that's like 10 years ago, I think that sprung mm-hmm. up. That's right. You know, what have you seen in the New York community and uh, what was it like really, I mean, for all intents and purposes, Joe, I mean, the Agile scene in, in New York, if it wasn't started by you, it certainly has been sustained and, and grown by you. Um, you know, what are you seeing these days out there? What I see is that the, obviously we started very small. We started in a bar. It all started in a, an Irish bar in, in Manhattan. Um, and uh, it was a handful of people um, talking about Agile. So we basically had like these emails going out, who's interested in having a conversation and a user group and all these kind of things, which is totally out of the picture. I mean, we have to go back to 2000, what was that, maybe six or so. And uh, a few people uh, found each other, including myself, and I think it was three or four people in the beginning, and then uh, in the bar, and the, the group grew to something, and then at one point, we couldn't be in a bar anymore, and we had speakers come in, and uh, lucky us, uh, we had Pace University then join. So the what happened, uh, Pace University as a venue, as a host, and, and they really provided space to us, which was extremely important for us at that point, because we couldn't really move from one group to another or a company and uh, consistency. But what I see today is that um, the the group has mushroomed into something bigger, right? So the topics are really about um, developers have created their own uh, groups. You um, see topics like such as very operational, like unit tests and topics like this. We stuck to the um, leadership, to the coaches, to the scrum masters and so forth. We, uh, after three years or so, we started an agile day, an actual one day conference which we still do today. And uh, so it's, it's basically a mix of user group and, and conferences. And 
every time we did something, we learned something, right? We learned something about, we thought people come to the user group event, wanted to see something bigger and wanted to come to a conference. And as a matter of fact, this was t totally two different audiences, which we didn't know at that time. Like some people said, I can only come in the evenings. I can't really carve out an entire day for this or, you know, for whatever reason, I can't come to a conference day. And the other people who says, I can't spend my evenings uh, in user group events. So they wanted to come to conferences. So it was a brand new audience. And so podcasting, the conference, the user group puts a good mix out there. So the event you um, attended is actually a spin-off of Agile NYC. So they branched off into something a little bit more scrummish. Versus we have Kanban topics, lean topics, and so forth. And sometimes we have speakers that have nothing to do with Agile. They don't even know what Agile is. Um, but we make the link as organizers of that topic is actually very relevant. Yeah, I, I think it's interesting just how that that environment's taken off and grown. I've been able to check out the Chicago uh, mm -hmm. environment a little bit, and what you find is there's a, it's a lot more fractured, in my view. There's a lot of great smaller meetup groups, but there's not like this central thread going mm -hmm. through that community like there is in New York. There's not that. I think so that thing that, that you built that, you know, has that, that core group. Uh, but it's a different, it's a great community out in Chicago as well, but it's just kind of, it feels different. Yeah. You know, when you, you go to that New York event, it feels like, you know, you all know each other. You guys have been, have been really building on this for a while. It's, um, it's a mature group of people in Chicago. It's very similar, except in that there are these kind of, you know, factions yeah. that, it's kind of interesting to navigate. I don't know if you've been able to spend some time out here, but um, it is a different. It's definitely a different feel. Definitely different. It's, it's the. Uh, I would say the advantage here in New York is. Uh, it's definitely the, the geographics, right? It's Manhattan. Right. I mean, it's it's people come in from all over the place to work in Manhattan, and then they stay for a user group event at night, for example, right? So there's a there's definitely something about Manhattan and why it's such an island and uh, and, and hard, you know. Hard to do actually something outside in the burbs. It's the opposite uh, what we're facing in New York and what you have in in Chicago. Um, so you know, it's funny you yeah. mention that because in Chicago uh, we have the exact. You're right. We have the opposite where um, a lot of events are happening in the burbs, but we're working in the city, mm -hmm. and so it, it does make it. We kind of have the reverse thing, but you know, each environment, each group, each uh, community, distinct, interesting, different, but. Uh, Really enjoyed, uh, I just wanted to tell you, I really enjoyed getting to come out to New York mm -hmm. and uh, really enjoyed the things that you and, and many of the others have put together. Yeah, well, awesome. Thank you. And uh, what I wanted to hear from you is actually, because you work on a record pace on Agile for Humans for podcasts, um, I, I cannot keep up with your pace and uh, putting episodes <laughs> out, but uh, how many episodes do you have out there so far? I think uh, last week, number 79 okay. went out. Wow. So okay. uh, we're getting closer to 100. We're working on it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I'm, I think with Agile FM, prior to that, I had many, many more. But it was somewhere in the 40, 45 or so range, I guess. Um, yeah, it's, you know, I, for me, I, I don't really, I don't, so I, I think these numbers are interesting. But I, what I like is um, that this community has a lot of different needs, right? So I want more podcasts out there, not less. And so I'm excited when, Someone like you says, "Hey, let's uh, let's collaborate. Let's do a co-show." I hope that the Agile for Human listeners go check out Agile FM and realize all the good work you're doing. I hope it inspires three other people to spin up new podcasts, which I know, you know I'm sure you and I or anyone else in the community would be happy to help. 
just the more content that gets out there, I think the better and that it, uh, it sends out these great messages. So, you know, I'm excited that we're doing this and I hope, you know, you raise the tides and, and all ships go up, right? So exactly. or a rising tide raises all ships and, you know, I, I love these opportunities. So yes. really appreciate it. Yeah, and I, I use this opportunity, right, because there's uh, got to be somebody listening to Agile FM, let's say, out of the New York City area, sitting, driving with a subway, listening to Agile FM, listening to this particular episode, and says, you know what, there's another Agile uh, podcast out there. I'm going to tune into that as well and get more like the weekly rhythm from you, you know, um, sure. and uh, and get nice uh, entertainment while going to work or while coming home from work or being in the car listening to this uh, material. Um, I think we have good speakers and guests in our uh, podcast, and you know, and people get inspired. Maybe so inspired that they want to become an agile leader at some point, you know. And that's a topic we wanted to talk about, right? Oh no! Did you say the leader word? <laughs> so, yeah, leadership's fun. I yeah. um, it's it's one of those triggering kind of concepts for me where I. I hear agile leadership and I initially cringe, but then I'm I'm opening I'm open to listening. I know you definitely get it. I don't think um, you know many people realize that that you and I have both held leadership positions mm. prior to our our deep dive into agile. You know, I I was a director um, at Lincoln Financial, which is a Fortune 200 financial firm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I you know looking at LinkedIn and talking to you. I know that uh, you had a, a director stint at AOL That's a number right. of years ago, mm-hmm. and so I think it gives us a, a different kind of perspective. My first move is not to bash management. I actually have a lot of empathy for management. I'd imagine you do too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the leadership offerings, especially in the agile space, I don't know. What are your thoughts there? I've um, I've got mixed feelings. Well, from a, I agree with the management piece, right? I mean, you have you got to have empathy with uh, with management. Um, there's definitely a, a hype on calling it leaders and versus managers, and uh, I think the org charts are just filled with management titles. I think people like the title management. For me, it's not so much about the title; um, it's more about what people are doing um, in the in the day to day work. Uh, you know when. Leaders are out there, uh, called leaders, and they're managing uh, a, a silo in an in an organizational chart, uh, exactly like a manager. I mean, what is it good for? It's it's really yeah, all right. I mean, it's it's really about does a leader within an organization uh, take takes agile seriously? Right? For example, the transformation uh, within an organization are they taking it serious? Or are they just putting a stamp on it? Are they just gonna? work within a project management practice and rolling out uh, a um, iterative incremental process and purposely not saying agile, right? So it's just like, hey, let's chunk large projects up and get stuff done. Uh, and very often what you see, the environment is even more stressful than it was before. And people have less fun working in these environments uh, because or after the transformation actually took place. And that's kind of sad. What do you think? I, I, I've seen a lot of similar things. There was, I, I do have this one story that I cling on to. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a situation where, you know, you, the, you brought up the silos for a, a manager managing a silo that kind of jogged this loose. Uh, one of the best moments of agile leadership that I ever saw, right? So there were two teams servicing the same customer. They had their own silos within a customer or for the, with the basically the two silos had different roles, but they were working for the same customer uh, within a company. 
And uh, at one point, one of the, the managers of one of the groups said, this does not make sense. You know, we've siloed off two teams. We're constantly in conflict. Uh, we're trying to serve the same customer. The needs aren't getting met. Uh, and he put together this proposal that basically demoted himself to a technical lead, mm-hmm. gave the, the management role to the, the manager of the other team, helped that team self-organize from a technical uh, leadership role, uh, even though he was no longer the manager, into one team, one cross-functional, self-organizing team, uh, delighted their customer uh, results and went through the roof. Just a really great story there. But mm-hmm. far too often we hear kind of the reverse where people are very worried about protecting silos, protecting roles, protecting prestige. Mm-hmm. And uh, and things, like you said, can, can get worse. But there is that one moment that I do remember where, uh, and no, it wasn't me. The Agile for Humans listeners are waiting for that punchline where it was me doing something awesome. It was not me. Um, most of the, I feel like some of the stories lately have gone in that direction. But um, no, this guy realized that they were not serving the needs of the customers. Uh, people themselves were not happy on the teams and, and took an opportunity and to be a true leader, even though that meant giving up authority. And I yeah. thought that was just such a fascinating move. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I think what we, are, what we often see is that managers turning into leaders are separately trained and coached from the, develop, from the development teams, right, when they are actually working on these things. So they are disconnected. And when you, um, when you introduce the agile concepts to the leadership part, possibly ahead of the development teams and they're coming on as I learned about agile I'm excited this all makes sense and I want to do it and they, they are enthusiastic about it and they know exactly what they should be doing as leaders and they're giving these responsibilities to the teams the teams are often not ready for that taking uh, taking the responsibility right so there's this this chaos uh, basically between the the leadership uh, piece of an organization and the development teams um, that all needs to be glued together, right? It has to be trust, has to be enabled. It's like, are they are they really talking the same lingo? Are we actually empowered to do certain things? Teams are confused very often, right? So there's so many things that go um, wrong in this leadership uh, transformations. Uh, uh, that's why I see this the biggest potential uh, for us to work on in, in the uh, yeah, upcoming years, I think. it's that, That's not months, that's years. Yeah, I think this is uh, one of the new runways that are going to, pop up, especially from a consulting perspective. It's, if, if we can crack this nut, I think Agile has a very long and, and flourishing life ahead of it. Um, if we don't get this leadership uh, management debate settled and, and find effective ways to help companies uh, move past some of these, these hang-ups, I think uh, we're, we're ripe to be disrupted with something else. Mm-hmm. And so maybe that's good. I mean, Agile in its uh, you know, back-end in the snowbird days, it was disruptive to rup mm-hmm. and, and to waterfall, and, and it needed it. Um, but I think there will be some leadership or management uh, transformation or revolution here that um, that's going to cause some some disruption. So I mm-hmm. I think you're right. I think this is the fertile ground right now. You know, I think there's still value in you know let's get teams doing Scrum or, or Kanban or their preferred method framework mm-hmm. methodology, whatever we're we're looking at. Let's get some proficiency there. Let's really learn what agility means. Let's work on the individuals and interactions and the communication and the collaboration. But it's going to be the leadership uh, that ultimately will either crush these initiatives or, mm-hmm. or help them flourish. So I think you're I think you're dead on with the idea that that this is where the game is going to be for a while. Yeah, I think um, I think also that 
in the beginning when we started doing agile um there was a lot of grassroots movement i mean we there were, there were organizations that started all bottom up i think that was the common the common theme in the early days of agile the teams heard about the manifesto they found interest in it they convinced people in house to do something but what we're seeing today is the opposite right we're seeing the top down approach at least in my um uh, world it's it's pretty much at this point 99% is top down where people on the executive level actually make decisions to go agile not even uh, in IT organizations business agility right which is another uh reason why this is going to take off is like it's not only the IT executive team this is going to spread into into other parts of organization hr finance marketing that's what we often see already at this point uh we can only imagine how this is going to take off even further so um yeah it's always hard to give career advice especially on a podcast but uh um yeah, I think there is a market. <laughs> well, I, I think there's certainly a need that needs to be met. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, your example of the HR person. You know, what is HR going to do when we really get the self-organizing team concept correct? Mm-hmm. And, and but they're showing up looking for individual performance reviews, individual uh, merits, and, and bonus rewards, and they just don't. Those things don't make sense anymore, especially yeah. on an agile team. And so. I mean, they're going to get disrupted. There's going to be implications to legal, to finance. You know, an annual budget mm-hmm. will not make sense when teams reach uh, that that hyper velocity state that, that that Jeff Sutherland talks about, mm-hmm. or that uh, or a high performing team. You know, when they're when they're truly hitting that stride, an annual budget won't cut it. I mean, we're going to need to be able to inspect and adapt finances and, mm-hmm. and available funding and those things so much faster than uh, than what we do today. So. Yeah, I think uh, we've spent a lot of time on teams, and we've spent a lot of time on uh, processes and uh, frameworks and you know, tools and those things. This is going to shift, and I think uh, if you're in HR, you're in finance, you're in legal, learning about Agile now, uh, I think there's some definite opportunities to get ahead of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think market, marketing might be a little bit an exception to this, right? But um... Sure. HR definitely uh, is uh, in, in, in various positions. Often they bring in Agile into an HR organization to do Agile within the HR department, right? So they, are, yep. they say, how, do, how can I use, let's say, Scrum to um, run a, uh, an HR event, right? Uh, or a comp or bonus rounds or something like that using Scrum. But I, I think this is the smaller piece of, of all that. I think the bigger piece is really of what's the impact of my culture. So the more teams are working in, in Scrum and using the Agile to its uh, fullest extent, uh, the culture is going to change. And uh, Well, I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to spread outside of IT as well. Yes. Uh, my twin brother is a lawyer uh, in Indiana, and he has, uh, he's brought Scrum into his law practice. Mm-hmm. And so he's trying to find ways to uh, leverage empiricism, uh, to act transparently as a lawyer, to inspect and adapt practices. Um, I mean, he's taken that fully to heart, and he's looking for ways to make that a competitive advantage as a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And he's actually found some compelling ways where he's able to do, um, you know, it's not better, faster, cheaper, but it's more meaningful work sooner mm-hmm. uh, for his clients at, you know, at a different rate because his costs are different when he embraces this mindset. I think it's going to turn into a competitive uh, advantage for him. Oh, yeah. I think, you know, any profession, well, most professions, I think, could 
could benefit just from that empirical mindset. Mm -hmm. uh, but when you look at, you know, not only IT, legal, you know, there's there's the Agile Marketing Institute that's popped up uh, mm -hmm. recently. There's, I, I really think that uh, although it's 20 years old, I think we're just seeing it's now finally. I think the joke was uh, Scrum just turned 21, which means it's allowed to go into casinos and drink now, <laughs> which means it's it's just maturing. I mean, it's it's just in its 20s. We haven't even. Yeah. We're not out of the awkward 20s yet, Joe. we got to get to the 30s and 40s, right? <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think that's, um, that's a good point you bring up, right? I mean, unless there is another disruptor, let's say, in the industry, I think this is going to take off. I think people are seeing the, uh, the advantages. I mean, I, had, uh, I worked with a client on business development in, in Asia using Scrum. So it was really about how do I expand my business into that region. I had nothing to do with... Uh, with IT whatsoever, it's super interesting to work uh, on something like this for me because my background is IT, so I'm so out of my comfort zone, uh, just advising on the process rather than the content. Um, purely superb. I I know that uh, the Boy Scouts in in Boston are using principles of Agile to organize themselves. Um, so there's. It just doesn't stop, right? And I had a podcast one time with a uh, with, um, with somebody who did um, uh, I forgot her name. Uh, um, she did Scrum at home with her family. It's just purely awesome. Um, uh, is that Stacy Ackerman? Yes, thank you for that. Wanted yeah, to make sure yeah. that we're getting her name out for this, right? And uh, simply awesome. And uh, so, so there's so many so many things. The the principle of thinking could apply, right? And uh, when you're writing a book, I mean, who who would use a waterfall process for that, right? So it's just it's just the, the thinking and how you approach it, and I'm just uh, I can't wait to see that expand. But it does require those leaders to make it happen, leaders to understand what what this all means and make it um, super successful. Yeah, it's it's the short feedback loops that uh, I think power a lot of the things you're saying, and, and for a leader to put their work out a little early before it's perfect is mm -hmm. scary, yeah. right? And risky, and if you're in a political, a highly politically charged environment, it mm. creates opportunity for someone else to come after you. Right, and uh, it's one of those things where that's why I think leadership at, at the highest levels. I think that's why they're so crucial because they can end that nonsense quickly. Mm -hmm. Right, they can they can really empower people to to embrace transparency, uh, to inspect work, to do adaptations without punishment. Mm -hmm. Right, instead of being wrong, we just learn something. Mm -hmm. And now we're going to try something a little different, mm -hmm. and next, and we're going to inspect that again. And guess what? Guy down the hall who's taking cheap shots at everybody who might be not doing so well. We're checking out your work next. So let's let's all just work together and be a team <laughs> instead of trying to to maneuver and posture and position. And I think when those those barriers come down, um, I think that's where the the agility really starts. And so it does start with the leadership, um, and it starts with people. You know those those initial those initial coaching conversations, and uh, if we get those right, I, I think I think you've hit it on the head. That's really where the game's going to be at. But Ryan, now I have to update my PowerPoint deck again. We we're constantly inspecting and adapting. I was like, <laughs> now I, it's like everybody wants a PowerPoint deck. Now I have to change it again. Painful. I, you know what? I'm going slideless. I um, <laughs> I just draw on whiteboards now, so it drives all the conference organizers nuts. They want the slide deck ahead of time, but nah, I just. I just draw. I'm trying to steal uh, a Jeff Payne's 
I'm trying to figure out what camera he uses where he just does the drawings for his parts. And yes, it's awesome. I think awesome, I'm just going to use that uh, that for meetings now, too. Yeah. All you're going to get out of me in the future are just pretty pictures. That's it. Yeah, well, I, I, can, <laughs> I can do stick figures. That's that's all I can do. But Oh, yeah, that's, but, that's, yeah. that's enough. That's enough, right? But no, I, I was kidding because on the leadership side, right, we yeah, see yeah, yeah. executive levels. We see PowerPoint, PowerPoint still today, uh, like a ton of that. And every time I see that, I think about all those thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars wasted on maintaining and keeping those and updating and, and reviewing. And I mean, it's painful, isn't it? To, uh, to watch all this happening and what could we build in the meantime? What could it's one of those mechanisms where I think we look busy, mm -hmm. right? I mean, look at these hundred slides I put together. It shows I really know what I'm talking about. And I think that's one of those mental models that we're, we're going to have to find a way to, to get around or to change mm -hmm. uh, and just realize that, you know, as a leader, if we can set a vision, if we can express clearly a desired outcome and then trust people to go after that, but then also be there to support them as they do it, mm -hmm. that's really the game now. It's not trying to figure everything out in 100 slides and to give detailed marching orders. I mean, the military doesn't even work like that. Mm -hmm. You know, true. if you read um, Extreme Ownership by Jaco Willing, uh, he talks about combat situations where they were given an objective mm. and they were given the tools necessary and, this, and a cross-functional team and they were told to execute. Mm. And, and that was it. So they had an objective, the tools, and the people. Mm. And they went out and they're making combat situational decisions constantly. Right. And, I, and I, now, while on a, hopefully for software you're not risking your life as you're writing it, but you are on a cross-functional team. You hopefully have the tools you need, your IDE, uh, the APIs that you use, whatever the, that you need to, to get the job done. And you're, as a team, you're asked to execute. Right. And then you're making tactical decisions and strategic decisions at some points. Right. Uh, and hopefully your leadership is empowering you and providing you the ability uh, to make progress and to do that. And I think that's the, that's the distinction. And as... Mm. We're all, we're all going to get it wrong. I had moments as a leader where I just totally screwed up situation. You know, I got very problem-solving. I, I was really prescriptive. And later on, I had to go back and, and kind of pull some of that back. And I think we're always going to have those moments. But always, if, yeah. if we can set vision mm -hmm. and, and just help people uh, execute, mm -hmm. and by help, I mean give them the tools, give them the, the support they need, give them the shelter that they need, give them the information they need, and then just watch that execution. Mm -hmm. And as long as the feedback loops are short enough, what are you really risking? Right. That's I right. don't think it's much. Yeah, but it's, it's very interesting when you just were talking about the combat situation. There was this one thing I was listening to um, last week, and it just became apparent in the, in the very same way, just to support your story, which is absolutely correct. The uh, freeing of the um, a hostage uh, taking in, uh, in Mogadishu, like a German airplane, uh, 40 years ago, and it was just anniversary day for this one. And uh, they actually approached this plane and they had to go in and they were like reliving this entire uh, uh, storming, let's say, in, uh, of the airplane. And they just had like this amazing group of people that were going into this plane. But they said, we didn't even know if the door would open off the plane. They had no, they like, we had to take an approach one step after another, right? So they had a plan A, a plan B. They said like, that's the vision. The vision was very big, freeing those people, right? Uh, and capturing the um, hostage takers, but the uh, the they didn't even know if the door would open up. They didn't even know where 
uh, everybody was in the plane and they had to take a totally situational approach and it actually worked the best way that they would just let let the people do their job and just like you know what the mission is and go after it and they did it it's an amazing story yeah but and there's also what's interesting about these kind of stories is there's also an incredible amount of planning involved mm -hmm. you know we, as agilists we get this bad rap of oh you don't want to plan you don't want to commit you don't want to estimate yeah and they, they couldn't be furthest from the truth you think about the the squad that the rescued the hostage, they're committed to one another to keep each other alive. Exactly. Massive commitment, right? Yes. They have plan A, plan B, plan C, and then they can improvise. Mm -hmm. And so they have the talent uh, to, first of all, plan for some scenarios, but they also know, hey, these plans are dead. We need to, we need to switch it up. Uh, you know, there's mm -hmm. all these great things in these, these uh, analogies that, that come right back to software. And it's the same, mm -hmm. again, it's not the life or death situation, but, you know, when we start... You know, let's say we're building a product. We don't know if our AWS cluster is going to be in the right zone and if we're going to have the right latency or throughput. Or you know, there's all these things that happen on exactly. a DevOps side. There's all these things that happen um, on an integration side. There's all these things that happen during testing, and we can plan for a lot of it. We know the lead time of spinning up a cluster in the cloud, but we also know that Amazon is capable of going out when they had a, a blackout day. Um, <laughs> I think it was right around a year ago. Yeah. And then what do you do? What like, do you what's do? your backup? Mm -hmm. And then suddenly every IT department and every big product company was firing up Azure as well for some backup plan, and now they know better for next time. And mm -hmm. so the world is complex. Yes. Right? If it were only complicated or difficult, you wouldn't need Azure. Right. But we live in a complex, fluid world. Uh, we, we inspect, we adapt, we, we embrace continuous improvement, and it's... Uh, it's a beautiful thing when you let it happen and when you get out of the way of it. And mm -hmm. I think that's a, that's a big part of it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, Ryan, we have been talking for a while. Oh, no. Yeah. Have we? Oh, oh. wow. We're probably towards our time box, aren't we? Yeah, we're time boxing. Yeah, but what did you ask you? Is, uh, so um, how, can, how can we uh, do shout-outs to Chicago? How do we uh, create... How do we do shout-outs? Yeah. Um, well... I, I'm happy to continue the conversation. I can't speak for Chicago, and actually, we're still we're still struggling. We uh, the Cubs lost, oh, um, and so Chicago's a little down right now. I did take my wife to the Bears game this past Sunday, though, and we did beat uh, Carolina. Mm -hmm. So go Chicago. Okay. Um, but uh, yeah, if you want to keep the conversation going, the website's RyanRipley.com. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Ryan Ripley. I can. Clearly, as, as your audience has heard me ramble through some of these topics, I can, I can go on and on about this stuff forever. So if people right. really want to, to dig into one of these topics, I would love for them to reach out. Uh, Joe, how can uh, the Agile for Humans listeners, how can, first of all, listen to Agile FM. Agile.fm, that's right. Let's mm -hmm. check that out on iTunes. I'm sure it's out there. Yeah. But if they want to reach out and uh, you know, hang out with you online, where can they find you? Well, they can find me, actually, uh, the easiest would be agile.fm, just to, they can just send me an email, would be probably the easiest, or uh, my Twitter handle is J-O-C-H-E-N-K-R-E-B-S, Jochen Krebs. That would be awesome. the easy, that would be the easiest way for getting in touch, and then we'll have conversations, and why this is so important for me is that people listening in, in all these places that they know now there is something going on in Chicago. They might be on a business trip. They might not know what to do on a business trip in Chicago. Hey, there is an Agile event. I'll go there, even if it's only for one time. And you never know what that, you know, what that does. I know that um, 
uh, our conference, the Agile Day, the One Day Conference, had a spin-off to uh, with David Hussman in uh, in the Twin Cities, right? So, yep. I know when people meet, most likely actually in in person, right, in conferences or any kind of these events, all of a sudden something happens and comes out of it, um, and and that's that's the power of all that. Or even when uh, two podcasters meet in Boston, right? That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good example. So I actually have a, a link to a Chicago tech calendar that has a lot of the uh, local Agile and developer events on it. So I will uh, put a link to that in the show notes, and I'll get that over to you, Joe, so that awesome. uh, your listeners can uh, see what's going on on our side of the of the country. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think next year, like I said, I did Big Apple Scrum Day last year. I might try to get out to your uh, to the Agile, Agile NYC, your Agile Day, awesome. and uh, see if I can make another trip out to New York. Uh, last time it went very there, it was actually a great trip. Mm-hmm. So uh, definitely looking forward to some speaking opportunities out your way again. So awesome. we'll see if we can make that happen for sure. Awesome, looking forward to that. And so Joe, uh, I just want to thank you. Um, thank you. As we wrap this up, like I said, Agile FM was one of the first uh, podcasts that I was listening to. It was one of the first ones that I really uh, focused on as I was trying to figure out the kind of show that I wanted to put together. So it was just it's a Huge honor to get to do this show with you, and I just uh, can't thank you enough for the opportunity. Well, same here. And Ryan, I know, I know yours is going to take off like crazy. Um, you have a great way of doing this, and uh, um, it's great. The more podcasting, the better. The more options, the better. I just want to say thank you to everyone. All right. Thank you, and, and to the Agile FM uh, audience, thanks for listening. I hope you, hope you enjoyed this show. Keep supporting Joe. And uh, to my Agile for Humans uh, listeners, hey, check out Joe. It's, uh, it's great stuff. Thank you for listening to Agile FM, the radio for the Agile community. I'm your host, Joe Krebs. If you're interested in more programming and additional podcasts, please go to www.agile.fm. Talk to you soon.